Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Our Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the Spirit of God that invites us into the desert to commune with us, to prepare us, to strengthen us, and to release us for greater ministry. Thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we will see great things out of your Word. Bless those who are listening to your Word. Especially if there is a Hindu or a Muslim or a Sikh or, or an atheist or anyone else who is outside of the Christian faith. And they've had the grace and the, and the courtesy to join us this morning. Lord, would you specially bless them by revealing yourself to them and letting them leave with something solid. And for everyone who loves you and is a disciple of the Lord Jesus, let this morning's message really take them to another place, a deeper place, a greater place of intimacy with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that you're concentrating. I know you're home and it's locked down. It's a weird Sunday, but sometimes we have demanding relationships. Sometimes we have uh, displaced hearts. So you really need to engage and tune in. Sometimes we have distracted minds. We need to tune in. Sometimes we have disillusioned souls where the belief doesn't engage the word. So whatever may be your channel, a challenge this morning, I hope that you will dispel that and, and you will concentrate and ask you this one a very important question. What goes through your mind when you think about being left alone? When you think about being by yourself, what goes through your mind? Is it a good feeling? Is it a bad feeling? Does it associate with, uh, with negative emotions? Uh, are you scared of being alone or do you like to be alone? What do you do with isolation? What does God do with isolation? That's what I want to talk to you about. But what goes into your mind or what goes through your mind when you think about isolation? You know, life sometimes will isolate you. You'll find yourself surrounded but alone. Surrounded but yet alone. Sometimes you're on a long journey. It's a 14, 16 hour flight and you feel all alone. Or you're on a train for a day or two days. Sometimes there are delays and you're waiting, waiting to get home, waiting to get to your destination. And there are long delays and you're left alone with time to spend. Sometimes you're hospital, hospitalized. A week, two weeks, three weeks, some people for three months. <clears throat> bedridden, hospitalized. What do you do with isolation? Why does God sometimes allow such long periods of isolation? Or why does he do it at all? Sometimes it's just locked down, like today in India. We are all, the entire nation is locked in our homes. By choice, but locked down. Sometimes we're quarantined against our will. We're quarantined, set apart, separated, isolated. Sometimes we're just downright abandoned. Abandoned by people, abandoned by friends, and you feel all alone, and you feel isolated. 
So it doesn't matter what and in which way you feel isolated. You could be surrounded by people or physically all alone. You could be surrounded by people and still be emotionally all alone. What do you do with isolation? In fact, I want to present to you or propose to you that these can be some of the best times in your life. Isolation can be the best time in your life and maybe even you will love it, love it so much that you'll develop a habit so that you go back to it proactively and self-induce isolation. Isolation is a great opportunity and has tremendous blessing if there are certain things in place and of course the understanding of why God allows isolation or what God can do with isolation. Are you ready? I want to jump in a few things and share a few thoughts with you this morning and I hope that it's going to be a blessing. Okay? We, we, want, to, we want to begin with, with a few stories in Scripture about how and when God isolated certain people. Uh, the first group that comes to mind is the disciples, the disciples of the Lord Jesus. The disciples of Christ essentially had a hard day. They were, they were really busy, they were going about their business, they were with Jesus, they were running around, they were picking up the pieces in terms, of, uh, in terms of the ministry, meeting with people, greeting people, crowds were coming, they were controlling the crowds, they were talking to people, taking their numbers I suppose, you know, making, making contacts and Jesus was out there doing his work and at the end of that day after meeting with hundreds and thousands of people, they were tired, Jesus was tired and towards the end of the day, Jesus then looks at them and he says, what happened, how are you, how are you guys doing are you tired then Jesus says to them come away with me come away with me look at look at the text I love this moment in the life of Christ in Mark 6 verse 30 he says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done so they reported to the chief you know of, of the work that had been done throughout the day and all that they had taught and verse 31 says and he said that is Jesus he said to them come away by yourselves. Come away by yourselves. Jesus said to his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. How beautiful to hear it from the voice and from the words and from the mouth of the Messiah himself when he says, when your Lord says, good job, good work done, come now, now time to rest. He's going to say that even in the future. He's going to say it when we die and go to heaven. He's going to say it at the end of our lives. He says it to you at the end of your rope. Come, come away with me. Come and rest. So he says, many were coming and going and they had no leisure time even to stop to eat. These guys were busy. And verse 32 says, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Sometimes, write this down. God will isolate you to refresh your spirit. God will isolate you to refresh your spirit. God believes in service. God himself serves. God wants you to serve. But having served for six days, God rests. God wants you to rest. God takes you into isolation so that you rest. And sometimes, and this might hurt, sometimes when you don't rest, Sometimes when you don't, for a period of time, you don't observe the Sabbath and you don't allow for that rhythm in your life and you just keep going non-stop, you just keep going non-stop and you think you're young, you think you can do with four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep, you think you can work 16, 18 hours every day and catch up on Sundays. Sometimes when you do that, 
whether it's sickness or whether it's, 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 it's a lockdown or whether it's uh, any other threat, God will set you aside in order to give you rest. So God will isolate you to refresh your spirit. One of the reasons and the purposes of isolation is to give you rest. Come away with me to a desolate place. Let's take the boat. Let's go to a quiet place. Let's recharge. Let's recharge. Another picture that comes to my mind is the man Moses. I love this story. And this is, it's, it's a moment in, in biblical history where you see God's greatest intimacy with man. In fact, Moses was known as the friend of God because God called him a friend. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 onwards, and this is a bit of a lengthy passage, but it's on the screen for you. Now Moses used to take a tent. Okay, you got that? He used to pick up a tent. He used to take a tent and he would pitch it outside the camp. So you would have the big camp where all the people are living, the homes, the setup, the temple, all of that. But he would take a, a tent and he would go outside of the camp, far away. See what it says. Far off from the camp. And he called this tent the tent of meeting. He called this tent the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought, are you looking at? Everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. So what is he doing? He is inducing self-imposed isolation. He's got the tent, the camp, and everything is running normally. But he would take a tent and he would take it outside the camp far away and he would pitch that. And everybody knew that when Moses was going out to the tent, he was going to meet with God. He was going to be alone with God and God was going to commune with him. Now in the temple, you would have the Shekinah glory come on top of the temple and you would know that God is present there. So that was, that was an understanding in the Jewish context, in the Israeli context. And as they uh, saw Moses going out and having a, a tent of meeting, see what happens. He says, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was, again, outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up because we knew God was coming down. And each would stand at his tent door. And watched Moses until he had gone into the tent. So they keep their eyes on Moses until they, he goes inside. Because they know what this is going to mean. Until he's gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, wow, look at this. The pillar of cloud would descend. The pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. Basically guard the tent. Close the tent. Moses has now gone into the presence of God. And now God, like a curtain, would draw the cloud around and take Moses into his arms. And he would spend time alone with him. What a beautiful picture. Stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. The Lord would speak with Moses. There is a speaking to and there is a speaking with. Speaking with means... You'll talk back. I talk. You talk back. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people, notice the word all, 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 all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Verse 11. Thus the Lord used to, the Lord used, used to. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Oh, that we would have leaders that we knew spent time with God. 
Oh, that we would have pastors where we knew spent time with God. We knew that they went into the tent of meeting, that God met with them. And when they came out of the tent of meeting, that they had received something from the Lord for us. Oh, that we would have leaders like that. God used to speak to Moses face to face. How? As a man speaks to his friend. And Moses again turned to to the camp. His assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, this is a young apprentice, an intern. He's hanging out with Moses, watching Moses, uh, almost envying the times when Moses would go into the tent saying, one day I'm going to be there. And he did. He did. He would meet with God. In fact, he would meet with Jesus, the captain of the armies of the Lord. As a man speaks with his friend. Wow. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, his young man, he would not leave. Look at that, look at that. Would not depart from the tent. I want that. Moses has come to the tent. Moses has spoken with God. Moses has left. Joshua stays there. He stays at the tent. Just a residue of the leader. Just a residue of the spiritual life of the leader. Let it it rub off on me. Maybe I'll need it one day. Verse 12. Here's the conversation. We get a peek into the conversation. Cloud or pillar of cloud or no, we get a peek into the conversation. Moses said to the Lord, see, he's talking to God. That's how he spoke. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you're going to send with me. Okay, what's my backup? Who's my witness? Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor in my sight. He's arguing with God. He's saying, you, you're telling me I'm okay with you. You're telling me that I have found favor in your sight, but you're not telling me who you're sending me with. You're not telling me what, what, what you're going to do. You're not, you're, not, you're not going with me. I want more than this. I just, I don't want, I, I, I want to please you, but I want action. I want you to come with me. I want to do something. Look at what he says in verse 13. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please, oh, I love this. Please show me now your ways. Why? So that I can become a great person? So that I can become the greatest leader of all times? So that I can take this nation, make them the greatest nation of all time? No, so that I may know you. So that I may know you. One of the reasons, and Numbers says that Moses was a humble man. One of the reasons Moses was such an incredible leader, one of the greatest of all times, lived with the hardest battles and the challenges of all times. The reason God made him great and did great things to him is because his primary goal, his primary goal was to be alone with God and to be known by God. To be alone with God and to be known by God. Isolation is for me to be alone with God. Isolation is for God to get my attention when nobody else is around. Isolation can become a blessing when God takes you aside for a private word with you. Verse 13. Now therefore I have found favor in your sight, and if I have, please show me your ways that I may know you. Why? In order to find favor in your sight. You've got the full circle here? Let's do it again. If I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you 
so that I might find favor in your sight. If I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways that I may know you that I might find favor in your sight. If I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways that I may know you that I might find favor in your sight. Because it always gets deeper with God. It always gets into a deeper relationship with God. God has great depths into which he can take you. As you find more favor with him, he gives you more knowledge of him. As you've got no knowledge of him, he, you get him to know him better. And then you find even more to do with him, for him, and love him. And then you find greater favor with him. Your favor increases the more you know him. The more you know him, the more you increase in favor. In order that I might find favor in your sight. Then look at the prayer of Moses. I told you he was a humble man. Consider too that this nation is your people. Did God need to be reminded about that? No. But this shows the heart of the leader. It shows the heart of Moses. Remember God, these are your people. They're stupid. They're doing ridiculous things. They're constantly running from you. They need you right now more than you ever. Don't, don't turn to them. Don't, don't save them because they are asking. Save them because I'm asking. I'm here. I'm talking to you. I'm asking. Remember them. They are your people. You know, God loves that. God loves when a, when a leader stands in the gap. Because Jesus did that. God loves it when a father stands in the gap. When a father stands before the Lord and says, Lord, my children don't know what they're doing. Lord, Job said, in case they have done in their drunkenness, in their partying, in case they have said something stupid, in case they have violated or blasphemed, oh God, would you forgive them? Job stands in the gap. Jesus stands in the gap. Fathers stand in the gap. Men, men of faith, men of courage stand in the gap. They take the hit. They take the hit. That's why God has given them a chest. Stand in the gap. Take the hit. Moses stands in the gap. He says, would you remember that they are your people. Verse 14, look at verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. Circle presence. And number two, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What do you get from being alone with God? When you've been alone with God, you can be sure. And what you take away is when you're down with people, Working with people, challenged by people, leading people, influencing people, serving people. When you are there, God who was in private with you will be in public with you. God who was in private with you will be in public with you. And when you have not been in private with God, God will not be in public with you. God will back up the person who he has privately spent time with. So he says... Consider this is your nation. He says, okay, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Look at verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with <laughs> this guy is incorrigible. God is saying, I will go with you. And he's like, you know what? If you don't go with me, consider this. How I just love this. And, and I learned it in the old King James. How will the nations know that you are our God? How will the nations know that we are your people? What will distinguish us from other people if you don't go with us? So what Moses is saying is, we are just like everybody else. The only thing that makes us different to everybody else is you, God. The only thing that makes my future different to everybody else's future is you, God. The only thing that makes my hope, 
My confidence, my joy, difference to anybody else is you, God. The only thing that makes me a Christian is you, Jesus. You make me a Christian. It's you in my life. It's you in my hope. It's you in my dreams. It's you in my plans. It's you in my affections that make me who I am. You, Jesus. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how will, shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I and your people, I and your people, I and your people. Look at that. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people and every other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17, for the Lord said to Moses, this very thing, you can just tell God, just yes, yes, Moses, you caught my heart, man. You got it. He says, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. When has that ever happened? When has God ever said, you, you want that? I'll do it. I'll do it. You want that? When you have spent time with God, when you've been alone with God, when you get comfortable with being alone with God, God gets comfortable with being with you in public. God gets comfortable with backing you up in public. God gets comfortable with answering your prayers, your audacious prayers. A fussy man like Moses, he says, if you don't go with me, all right, but I said I'll go with you. But if you don't, but I told you I'll go with you. But if you don't go with me, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. The Lord said, this very thing you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight. And look at that. I know you by name. I know you by name. Isolation with God makes you a person who's known by God. Oh, but Pastor Jeremy, God knows everyone. Mm-mm-mm. No. No. God reveals himself to you to the point you want to know him. And God knows you to the point that you reveal yourself to him. God knows you to the point that you reveal yourself to him. A relationship is built on trust. And trust is how much I want you to know me. How much I let you into my life. I know you by name. Then Moses takes it to another level and he says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. I love this last verse. Look at this last verse, verse 19. He says, I will make my goodness pass before you. God, literally God wants to answer any prayer at this point with Moses. I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh. I will show this name as your stronghold. This will, uh, this will be your banner. My name will be your banner. I will not be ashamed that you go by na- my name because I know your name. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I shall show mercy. Write this down. God will isolate you to reveal his glory to you. God will isolate you to reveal his glory to you. Let me quickly take you through some more uh, examples. Some more examples. Joseph, do you know Joseph? He was one of 12 sons of Jacob and he was the favored son. He's the one with the technicolor coat. That's why he's the only one we have made musicals about. God will isolate you for his purpose and for his time. Write it down. God will isolate you for his purpose and for his time. Joseph was forgotten 
Joseph was stripped of his influence. So first he comes in, he's in Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh just absolutely loves the guy. He favors the guy, he puts everything in charge of him. As a weird turn of events, Mo, uh, Joseph is, is, is falsely accused, finds himself in prison, and there he's stuck for two years. And you think, God has abandoned me. Two years, God has forgotten me. Two years, God does not love me anymore. Two years, I must have done something wrong. Two years, Joseph hung in there. The baker came and went. The baker forgot. If you know the story, two years. And I mean nothing to God. Because God will isolate you for his purpose and for his time. Sometimes isolation is a protection. He's keeping you aside for his time. Sometimes isolation is for a purpose. Because God wants a greater purpose of your life. And he doesn't want you necessarily to be a hero every day of your life. Sometimes there's a moment, one moment in your life that your whole life was about. For Jesus, it was the cross. Do you understand isolation? Do you understand what God thinks of isolation? Do you understand what God can do with isolation? God will isolate you for a purpose and for his time. Jonah, do you remember Jonah, the fish guy? Jonah was swallowed by a, by a whale. And he found himself for over two days, three days, two nights in the belly of a whale. It was supposed to become a sign like Jesus would go into the water and he would, uh, sorry, he would go into the grave and he would come out from the grave after two days, two nights, three days. This was going to be a sign. But Jonah was set apart. Jonah wanted to run from God. But after isolation... He ran for God. Jonah wanted to run from, from God, but after the isolation, he ran for God. Do you remember Peter? The disciple Peter. Jesus said to him, Peter, you are my biggest fan, but the cock will crow three times, and you denied me three times. Before the cock crows, you would have denied me three times. There's, there's no way. There is no way I'm going to deny you. I'm your number one. I am your number one. You may be my number one now. You'll be my number one later. But between this and that, you are going to deny me three times. No way. And in that moment, when the cock crowed, and Peter found that he had denied him three times, Peter isolated himself. Peter isolated himself. He ran away to be alone. And he wept. Sometimes isolation is to restore your rightful place. Restore God's rightful place in your life. Sometimes isolation is to restore God's rightful place in your life. You think you're okay with God, but there is sin in your life as well. You think you worship God, but there's another idol that's taken God's place. You think you love Jesus, but there's another man or another woman in your life that, is, that it competes with your love for Jesus. You say that he is number one, but you want him to share that number one position with other people. Sometimes God will isolate you just for a period of time. And then when Jesus came back, he called Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Let's talk about this. Peter, do you love me? Let's talk about this. Peter, tell me one more time. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And Peter became the second most influential Bible writer as he spoke about faith and hope, and love, and joy, and the church, and serving Christ. 
serving Christ. Peter went out and wept when he heard the cock crow the third time. But Christ met him alone and reconstructed his personal devotion. One more guy. Let's talk about Thomas. Remember Thomas? Thomas was... I wouldn't say Thomas had unbelief. Everybody says Thomas had unbelief. I think Thomas lacked creativity. He wanted evidence. He was so, he loved Jesus, you know that? We treat him like as if he didn't love Jesus, as if he was a betrayer. He loved Jesus. He just wasn't able to see how this whole thing is going to pan out. He was not able to see how this whole thing was going to pan out. And when Jesus came back, he had been isolated from the disciples. When he came back, Jesus met with him personally and said, Thomas, don't you get it? Don't you get it? Here, put your finger in my hands. See, I'm the one. I, I haven't left you, Thomas. And Thomas was like, my Lord and my God. You notice the, 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 the connection? Paul, Thomas didn't say, oh, okay, 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 I believe. Okay, No, his response to that was, my Lord and my God. If you let him finish his sentence, he probably would have said, I missed you. My Lord and my God, I missed you. Some people don't want to be separate from God at all. And sometimes Jesus understands. He understands that your doubts are because you fear distance. Your doubts are because you fear distance. So he comes close to you. He says, touch me. Touch me. Feel. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here, man. I'm here. That was Thomas. That was Peter. That was Jonah. Let me give you one more before we close. My favorite, my favorite of all time, even from the, from the Passion, the movie The Passion, this was one of the most elegant, memorable pictures. Do you remember that picture when Jesus is standing and all you can see in the frame is the hem of his garment and his sandals and his feet and that woman reaching through the dust trying to touch his feet. What a moment. That's a moment we all identify with. That's a, that's a person we all identify with. She was caught in adultery. And these men, these self-righteous men, these stone-clenching men, they had surrounded her, opposite of isolation. They had surrounded her with accusations and allegations. They wanted to stone her. And they brought her to Jesus. Say, what do you say? Moses says, stone her. What do you say? Surrounded, attacked, Accused from all sides. Jesus gets rid of all of them. We don't even know. She's got her head to the ground. She's got her face in the mud. And Jesus gets rid of all of them. And again, isolation. It's Jesus and her all alone. And he asks her that question. Woman, where are those who accused you? Where are those who are pointing fingers at you? And she turns to him, she says, Lord, there's no one. No one. And he says, neither do I. Neither do I. God isolated, write this down. God will isolate you to show you he's all you've got. And he's all you need. God will isolate you sometimes to show you he's your greatest backup. He's your best backup. And when he's all you've got, he's all you need. What a moment. 
those are the turning points you know when a man when a woman will surrender their life to jesus it's not those cheap moments when we raise our hands and you know when we're uh, when we're kind of inspired by a song or we're caught up in the moment where we say jesus oh jesus yeah yeah but we're not willing to do anything about our lives we're not willing to change our lives we're not willing to change our priorities we're not willing to give up the things that we hold dear we're not we, it's not all to jesus i surrender it's not that it's more like oh jesus give me more of you give me more of you jesus and all along jesus no 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 i've already given you all of me now i want all of you god isolated jonah and won him back god isolated moses and showed his back god isolated david and watched his back god isolated joseph and ordered him back god isolated job and gave him back everything he had lost god isolated daniel who never bowed his back or looked back god isolated jesus and adopted us back let me close with this you've got two people you need to be at peace with if you're going to enjoy isolation you've got two people you need to be at peace with if you're going to enjoy isolation because these two people are with you during your isolation when you're isolated these two people are with you if you're going to make the most blessed blissful time out of isolation these two people are important these two people you need to be at peace with are you ready the first one the first person is god you need to be at peace with god because god is always with you so when you're alone god is there and if you're not at peace with god you're in trouble you can't enjoy lonely times with him you can't in you can't enjoy the fact that he's with you it becomes a scary thought it becomes a a, a troublesome thought it becomes an a disturbing thought god is with you he takes you aside for a private word with you god would sometimes need to get your attention to get through to you he removes things from your life he isolates you he removes people from your life he isolates you he removes idols from your life he isolates you he removes props and distractions and affections you find sometimes god why did you take it away why am i alone why is everything not working for me he wants your attention god would have you sit down shut up and listen and whenever god wants to do that it means he has something great he has in store for you listen you may know 100 people you don't know me isolation would be fun if you knew me on holidays we want to go away with a loved one sometimes we want to stay home with a loved one sometimes we want to find a loved one so that our lives are shared with somebody the reason for marriage is so that you may share the purpose of your existence with somebody else and that began in the heart of god when he brought you into existence so that he could share the reason for his existence with you he never needed us but he chose to share the reason for his existence with you he wanted someone else other than himself to be the reason for his existence and god wants you to know him god wants you to know him because that is the reason for your existence you need to be at peace with god so when he removes things from your life it's because he wants you to know him the second person that you need to be comfortable with that you need to be at peace with is you because you're there with you do you like hanging out with you some people do you can tell by the way they look in the mirror while they're in the lift or when they're alone or in the gym or the hours they spend in the bathroom 
Some people love their own presence. They love, but they're looking at the outside. But if you were in the dark, if you were alone and by yourself and for yourself and with yourself, are you your best company? Are you at peace with yourself? Pastor Jeremy, what do you mean? Well, I mean this. If you're not at peace with yourself, isolation can be traumatic. If you're your greatest enemy, if you are a self-condemning person, if you are the one who sows the most doubt into you, I can't do this. No, I'm not, I'm not good enough. No, I can't do this. No, this is Mary Baskibatni. This is beyond me. I, I can't. Self-sufficiency. Self-disappointment. I don't know how old you are, but maybe you're living with disappointment. So you don't want to be with somebody who's constantly disappointed with you and you are disappointed with you. So you don't want to be with yourself. Isolation sucks. You get it? If I'm going to be alone with myself, I need to be my best friend. And this is not just positive thinking or, or, or modern day psychology. I'm saying that you need to be at peace with you because the number one person that you broke peace with the day you sinned was you. And when God makes peace with himself, he then makes, helps us make peace with ourselves because we are broken people. And then we make peace with others. If you are a person filled with bitterness, who wants to hang out with you? Not you. If you're filled with revenge, filled with regret, filled with misery, filled with history, who wants to hang out with you? Not you. So you don't want to be alone because you're not the best company. You need to be at peace with yourself. And whether it is peace with God or peace with yourself, Jesus does that on the cross. On the cross, Jesus does that. He's the one who sets you free from yourself. He's the one who helps you make peace with yourself. When he grants you forgiveness and you accept that forgiveness, you are able to live under grace. Under grace. And all the disappointments and hurts from the past, all the, all the things that you wish you had not done or that you wish you had said and done. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You shall show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Three things. Path of life, that's wisdom for life. Your presence is fullness of joy. That's emotional and psychological well-being. The joy of the Lord is my strength. At your right hand, that is the strength, authority. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see the joy of God work in your life. God, joy of God's work in your life. The joy of God's power in your life. The joy of God's pleasure in your life. But your attitude needs to be right. David had the right attitude. Psalm 25 verse 16 he says, Turn to me and be gracious to me. Turn to me and be gracious for me for I am lonely. There you go. And afflicted. David knew what it was like. Turn to me and be gracious. He was getting to peace with God and getting to peace with himself. I am lonely. I need you because I am lonely. I am afflicted. But let's close with good news. Because God knows where you are and meets you where you are. And this is what he says in Isaiah 41.10. Now Isaiah was, the, God was talking to Isaiah at this point. So not everything applies to you. But this is how God deals with his servants when they meet him with the right attitude. Verse 10, fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Jump with me to verse 13. For I, the Lord, your God, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. The previous verse was my righteous right hand. This verse is your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, for I, the one who helps you. For I am the one who helps you. I want to break that down. Okay, let's, let's break that down. From the top, from verse 10 through to verse, the end of verse 13. Fear not, I am, I am, I will, I will, I will hold your right hand. I say to you, I speak to you, fear not, I am, I will help you. It's packed. Let's do it again. Fear not, I am, I am, I will. That's by, by the way, it's his name. I am is his name. I am, I am, I will help you. I will speak to you. I will uphold you. Hold your right hand. I will say to you, I will speak to you. I will talk to you. Fear not is the first thing I'll say to you. I am, I'm the one. I will help you. Those words are heard in isolation, not in the middle of a worship concert. Those words are heard when you are in the tent of meeting with your Savior. Those words are heard when there is a relationship, when your attitude is right, when you really want God to make himself known to you. God will isolate you to refresh your spirit. God will isolate you to reveal his glory. God will isolate you for his purpose and for his time. God will isolate you to restore his rightful place in your life. God will isolate you to show you he's all you've got and he's all you need. There are two people you need to be comfortable with and at peace with if you're going to enjoy isolation. One is God and the other is yourself. And both that both those men, both those people are made okay with you at the cross. At the cross, when you go to the cross. And then he promises he will do that. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to run from isolation or run to isolation? Are you going to start planning to get that tent of meeting? Are you going to find yourself in Moses' shoes? Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want, I want you to tell me more about yourself. I want to be known by you so that I may know your ways and I might find great, greater favor with you. Lord, set me apart. Take all my will. Take my heart. I am committing today. I promise to break away. Lord, set me apart. Take all my will, take my heart. I am committing the day. I promise to break away. Your word is a your spirit, my guide, teach me to stay closer each day. Your blood was the price, redeeming my life. And now you call me out to the altar.
I pray, Lord, send me up high. Take all my will, take my heart. I am permitting the day. I promise to break away. Lord, send me up high. setting everything aside and just being quiet with him, being an attentive meeting with him, just communing with him face to face with the Lord, the one who loved us, the one who gave himself for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship your holy name and we give you the praise. We give you the honor, O oh God. No one is like you. No one is like unto you, O oh God. 